0: morning, everybody. Brighton whispered in my ear this morning, he says, I only, want to see, I only want to see six miracles. I said, well, you've got one already. I'm up here. <laughs> so there we go. It'd be nice to have another five, wouldn't it? Anybody expecting miracles this morning? It is good to be back together again, and, and uh, you know, I... Um, was on security last week and heard a few um, little tidbits from Pastor Mike's message on destiny and desires, and uh, I was busy trying to take notes and um, keep the place secure, but um, you know, it it, it was a fantastic message, wasn't it? And uh, I think the thing that's coming across to us all right now is that God's wanting to take us somewhere, that wherever you are right now, um, there's a call in the Spirit for us to move on. And uh, there's a lot of things um, that we all have to face independently and individually and probably corporately that are going to be roadblocks. But, you know, God is able to move all of those things. I want to just talk, uh, share this morning a kind of uh, testimony in and, um, and an area of my life that I had to really overcome, and that was trusting God. And anybody got any issues there at all? Or uh, do you... <laughs> If not, feel free to leave and go and have a coffee somewhere. But um, I have a suspected feeling that um, if you were fully trusting God, you wouldn't be sitting here listening to me. Um, you would be out um, so busy, um, you know, fulfilling the purpose of God that you wouldn't know where to turn to next. Trust means reliance um, on uh, a reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, and the surety of a person. I just would like to read from Proverbs 3, 1 to 6. It says there, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths or make your paths straight, as it says in my Bible. You know, who, who wants, <laughs> who would like a straight road ahead? <laughs> Man, I, I, you know, I would love a straight road ahead. And, you know, it's not always reality because there's so much that's being worked out in our own life. My wife Angie and I we had, a, um, had a great time last year um, visiting our kids over in England, and uh, we um, went, did a, um, a, a trip through Ireland. We flew over to Cork and got a, a rental car, and we were really looking forward to it, because we really liked the humour of the Irish. And uh, so I said to Angie, well, no, no we'll be right, you, we won't need a nav man or anything like that, so... I said, you just navigate as she normally does. And, but this is normally a real test of our relationship, driving in a strange country and her navigating and me driving. But anyway, always ready to give it a go. I said, well, let's just do it. So we got and, and the infrastructure in Ireland. Is, has uh, They've spent billions um, on roads and stuff there. And anyway, we're going along this big motorway, and uh, we were heading towards Limerick. Now, if any of you have ever read Angela's Ashes, you know, they say, well, can any good thing come out of Limerick? Apparently not. But anyway, we were going to Limerick. It was part of our destination and on through to Galway. And we got to this, traveling on the motorway, we got to this great big huge roundabout with five exits off it. And Angie's looking at the directions, okay, we're going to Limerick, so take the first left, or we just go to swing left, and oh, see, the next, the next exit says Limerick. I said, well, that says Limerick too, and then, so we, we carried on round the roundabout, and the five exits all said Limerick. <laughs> well, by then, two or three times round the roundabout, we were both steaming out our ears, and we said, which way to Limerick? <coughs> anyway, we got back and took our rental car back, and we said to the guy, you know, um, he says, well... You know, how would it have been then? And, and uh, we said, well, everything went really well, but your signposts are terrible. And he says, oh, that's all right. He says, stay for the Irish, and they know where they're going anyway. <laughs> it was, just the humour was amazing. But, you know, look, I, I believe there's many channels... To um, that God's opening up in our lives to find the reality and find the greatness and the bigness of God. We know there's only one way, in, in, and it's through Jesus Christ and the blood that it was shed on the cross. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are being unlocked in us. You know, you, I, I began to find that you know, the, the, the roadway to trust was just something that was not a reality when I began to really face some of the struggles that I was having in my life. 25 years, I was a Christian, and I came to this incredible realization that trust was something that just hadn't be- become a reality for me. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I find that with a lot of people, and, and it was my experience when I got born again, that there was a dominating thing that God hooked me with. You know, um, I, I knew from the day one that, um, that my life as a Christian was going to require commitment. So commitment to me was, a, was an absolute revelation that I had the day that I got saved. I know some people have an incredible revelation of God's love, or His grace, or hope, or, or faithfulness, or whatever. But for me, it was commitment. And, uh, you know, so I, all through my life, I, uh, when things, you know, have turned pear-shaped, um, it's the thing that I know, that I know, that I know, that God is committed to me, and I'm to be committed to Him, and that's it. I've tried backsliding, and it didn't work. <laughs> it just, it seems crazy, but it just didn't work. I, I just, it didn't work. And I couldn't kind of cut off this relationship. And I thought, well, Lord, I'm not going to go down that way. So there must be some better way out of the misery that I was experiencing um, and to come into wholeness. And, you know, um, Paul, he had a revelation of Christ. I'm pleased I didn't get his revelation. God's got, when God hit him, he says, right, I'm going to show you now how much you've got to suffer. Imagine getting that as a revelation when you first become a Christian. I mean, you you know, if you've come through difficulties and hardships and and not knowing love, that isn't the sort of revelation God's likely to give us. But I mean, He knows how to hook us. He knows how to grasp a hold of of His, um, you know, of who He is. And even if it's a little part, even if it's just a little bit to start off with, it's enough for you to live on and for you to begin to grow in. And so um, commitment for me. Was, um, was, was just a reality, but I had become very, very disillusioned in my Christian walk. Uh, the disillusionment came because of pro- primarily dreams that were lost. Anybody lost a dream? Anybody having had a dream fulfilled? It's a terrible experience uh, as a Christian because in one, a part of you is locked up in here, but, but out here there's, you have this expectation of God being much bigger. Than what you're than what you're currently experiencing, and so it was like trust. It was God started to speak to me, and He says, "You don't trust me." I said, "You're right. I don't trust you. I don't trust you." And and I, I began. He began to reveal to me so many areas of my life where I just was struggling. Um, I I was committed to him. I could, you know, turn up at church. I'd be faithful and everything. I was a pastor, for goodness sake. And then, um, you know, I would um, share my um, reality with God. But, you know, when it came to working through real difficult issues and unexplained things in my life, I just didn't trust him. And um, I was quite shocked when I realized this. (laughs) <laughs> um, last year, I'll give you an example of what happened, even right up until last year. And um, Angie got a, a job over in England for three months. And, um, oh, man, that really started to, you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons for me. I had, You know, the, the, the um, cell group were praying, you know, God, you know, put her in amongst a loving, caring Christian family. And, you know, surround her with the right sort of people that are going to witness to her and all this sort of stuff. You wouldn't believe it. She ended up. She got this in-home care job for the for the the parents of a guy called Richard Dawkins. Has anybody heard of him? Now, Richard Dawkins is a world-renowned atheist and um, evolutionary biologist. <laughs> he is the top of the scale for anti christians and he's an oxford educated he's um he has doctorates the length of your arm from universities all around the world and she went and worked with his people well i completely flipped my lid i said I, god either you're deaf and dumb or i am it's either one of us um but it just really it look it was a turning point to me it, it was so it was such a shock um, I, just, I just started to laugh, and I thought, well, there's something I'm not getting here. There's a lesson that um, is on the way, because this guy was, and, and I was terrified of this, because you see, my son had been reading his book, The God Delusion, and my son is a real academic, and his, his pathway to Christ is, is, is working it all out, and oh, Dad, you've got to read this book, and it's like, yeah, you're joking, you know? I couldn't believe the things that were, com- that were coming my way. And so, you know, I began to say, God, you know, I talk with him like this. I said, Are you really enjoying this, God? Do you really think this is funny? Because, um, you know, it was just tearing me up. So I had to progress. You know, he just literally put me in a place where commitment held me there and it meant there was only one way and that was to go forward. And so, I know Mike talked about it last week, but you know, one of the things I found that, I've had, that I really had to do was take full responsibility of, of not trusting him. Just absolutely front up, you know, totally front up and say, God, I don't trust you. You know, I'm, well, I'm good at fronting up to God when I eventually get there. Um, you know, it takes a long time, but I mean, as a pastor, when the first big issue in our life kind of turned things upside down at 40 years of age, I was down at Anderson Park, and I let rip. I swore at God like I've never swore at my dogs. Not that I'm proud of it. Bruce Simmons knows what that's like. (laughs) I was so angry. All this stuff came out. And um, yet, you know, what? I was exhausted by the end of it. I stopped. It was in the middle of the night. It was dark, and next thing I was walking along, and next thing, bang, I hit something, and I hit this guy on a bike in the middle of the night and after I'd been carrying on like this. Anyway, we, we moved on from there. Um, but, you know, at the, at the end of my little spat, I heard the st- quiet, still, small voice from God say, Is that all? <laughs> Is that all? After what I'd said. And so, you know, we've got to take full responsibility. You know, I would come to church here um, when I first kind of started coming about three years or so ago, and it was just a healing process. And, you know, the, I just praise God for the musicians and the preparation that goes in here and Pastor Mike and all the leaders. That, you know, I'd go out feeling so encouraged, and by the time I got down to the first roundabout, I'd be fuming, Angry. And I'd get home and Angie would say, oh, how did church go? All right. And she knew darn well it wasn't all right. Something was wrong. I was just, has anybody else done that? No hands. Oh, yeah, there are some. But I didn't know what was going on in me. I had to take responsibility. I was, there was just something was pressing my buttons. I, 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 um, I didn't know how to get out of it. And, but, you know, I knew I had to take responsibility for it. And uh, you know, I could, I was probably, I could, I could pray in tongues, and and you know, push the devil off, and tell tell him to where to go, and everything. But there was, a, it wasn't the war outside for me. It, there was a civil war, there, you know. And sometimes, as Pentecostal Christians, and all our um, kind of um, uh, earnestness, we we're fighting on the wrong ground. We're fighting the wrong war. And I, I had internal issues that I needed to address before I had any strength to start to fight the devil. And go, so God started to say, well, look, you've got, it's, an, it's a civil war that you've got going on here. that You need to deal with the issues within your heart that aren't right. And so, um, you know, I began to realize, God began to show me that He, look, I am your peace. You're trying to fight for peace. You're stirring yourself up in tongues and you're praying like that. You're trying to get peace. Come to me. I am the prince of it. I know what I'm doing. You know, and I believe for a lot of men, I'm not just man, woman, the whole, all of us. Look, we can always come to him because that's, because that's who he is. We can get peace from him. And it's from a position of peace that then we can go out and start to do some uh, praying and, and, and pushing back. But if we try to push back in order to gain some sort of uh, peace, it doesn't work. Well, it didn't work for me. And I'm you know, pleased that, that that's one thing that I learned from the, from the uh, anger that I felt after church. I remember somebody said, asked me to do something one day. I was so furious. I said, you don't even know what I'm going through. You're just asking me to do something based on what you think I've done in the past. And, you know, it was just all of these things that were going on. And, and uh, you know, look, wherever you're at today, I just encourage you, front up. Front up to yourself. Front up to the things that aren't in order because God will sort them out. <clears throat> One thing that I, another thing that I wanted to, was determined to do, was to hear from God, um, in my unexplained situations. Now, look, there were so many things that we go through in life. We we used to say, "What was that all about?" You know, the unexpected. We pray in this area, and that happens. We ask God to do this in the family, and the opposite happens. And, you know, it's futile going through life, trying to get answers all the time, when all we need to do is stop and listen to what he's saying in the situation. And otherwise, it's just, life is just an experience, and often bad experiences. You know, we can go on and on through our Christian life, Um, you know, repeating the same old thing and not ever hearing what God has to say in the situation. We're always wanting to know why. You know, that's a part of getting through grief is always, you know, when people go through loss and grief, you go through stages where you've got the the dominant questions, why, 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 why? Well, often it never gets answered. See, you've got to find, you've you've got to hear what God is just saying in the middle of it. You know, when Jesus was walking from Bethany, just before um, he cleaned out the temple, they were him and the disciples were cruising along, and, and it says that the fig tree was out in leaf, and, and, um, but it wasn't the season for figs. And so he, he, goes to, he, go, he, he goes to take fruit, but there's nothing on it. And he cursed it and says, may you never live again. And it, the thing that surprised me there was that, um, it, I mean, that, it was a daft thing. It would be kind of like walking with Brydon through his orchard at the beginning of um, spring, just as the leaves have all come out, three months away from fruit, and finding him cursing his fruit trees because they haven't got anything on them. I mean, it was it was a an unusual thing, but the, the disciples never questioned it. They never said, you know, they never stopped and said, "Well, Jesus, what's that all about?" I mean, what he was really wanting to give them was a, a demonstration of how the Spirit, you know, has authority over the natural realm, and so often. In our, um, you know, in, in the difficulties that we're going through, just one word can deliver you. You don't need a whole lot of answers. You don't need to know what's further down the track. And this one word I'd always get was God would just say, Trust me, for five years. And I, I got no answers to a lot of things. All he'd say, I'd, I'd get to that place where in my frustration, I'd go and close the door and I'd just hear the stalls. Still small voice for many months, you don't trust me. And then I started to hear, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so it's essential that we come to that stage, that we hear them in, the, in that uh, time when you know we really are struggling. The other thing that I, I found that I um, needed to do was to take a huge risk and starting to, to share where I was really at with Angie. And, um, you know, to start off with, I mean, I, I found that really difficult because, um, you know, of the way that we had been down. And, um, you know, especially when I was coming back from church and was all sort of, you know, uptight and angry. And, um, you know, y- you can imagine what it was like, you know, for me confessing <laughs> um, the fact that I didn't trust God um, after she hadn't been in church for 14 years. And here's me going to church every week, and I come, come home and tell her I don't trust God. It's not a, not a recommended evangelistic strategy. It's like, well, you know, what have you been doing? Good question. Performing. Performing. Of course, none of you are like that, but I was. And I just thought, this is crazy! you know th- how you know but look i I mean Angie was just fantastic, you know she just she just really got beside me and you know helped me to walk through that, and she thought you know it was great that I'd come to a stage where, because she gets all the benefits you see <laughs> all the improvement, um you know, she gets the benefits too, but um you know, there's things in you that need to be unlocked, and um God wants to do it, you know. The other night I had, and, and look, there's, there's just, unto him who is able to do immeasurably, far above all that we ask or imagine. That is a God that we serve. You know, I was thinking about that. What am I thinking? When Robbie Venter was working with me, he's just a fantastic guy, had fantastic 18 months with that guy. And he'd always ask me a challenging question. He'd say, Baz, what are you thinking? I found that hard to answer. I'd say to him, what are you feeling? And he couldn't answer that. <laughs> but um, whatever you're thinking, God is able to do immeasurably far above that or what you can possibly imagine. So it look, there's no measure. It doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter. God's bigger and he's got more for you. And the other night I had this dream and it was um, like, on a stage, and wasn't this stage, it was nothing about me being here, but it was like a, um, you know, in those American um, television programs where they got graduation day, and everyone's coming up to graduate, and they're all clapping, and they all come up on the stage, and normally there's a banner along the back. And in this dream, there was a big banner, and it had one word on it, and it was inertia. Now, I didn't, I, I, and, and all night I couldn't wake up out of this dream. This word kept flashing, uh, inertia. I thought, oh, eventually got up, got myself out of bed, got onto the computer, and thought, well, I better get to find out what on earth does this mean, this word mean, and it means disinclined to move or act. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was the word, that was the meaning God gave me. Anyway, there's all sorts of uh, physics uh, additions to that, but it meant disinclined to move or act. And I got so. I started to pray, and I said, God, what on earth are you meaning here? And he said, I just want you to let go, and I want my people to let go. I want that, you know, I, this is a time to, you know, I had, a, I had a picture of being in a stream, the river of life, and I was clinging onto this tree, resisting the, 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 the flow of the water. And God just said, let go. And, you know, as so I was praying in the spirit, I just let go, and I could just feel myself float off the, in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, there's a flow of the Holy Ghost for you in your life. Something will be stopping you. Something could be shifted. Something that, there's something that can change that will move you on. And so, you know, beyond that river um, is where it flows into the sea in the book of Ezekiel. And that's where the life is. And, you know, when we're free, man alive, look out world, you know, there's just so much that God has in store for us when we get truly free. The other thing that we need to understand in terms of um, trusting God is is, um, that the start of this chapter, um, the start of, of Proverbs 3, it says, My son, do not forget my law. You know, the whole context of trusting God is understanding those first two words, my son or my daughter. Um he just wants he just desires so much a loving relationship with us. Look, you know, as men, we struggle with this word intimacy. You know, we understand it from the waist down but not the waist up, you know? But God wants our hearts. And he he really desires it's true. As if you, And, you know, when, 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 when men start to begin what it's like to really um, be friends with God, you know, to experience His presence in a way that we can just laugh. I, you know, this is something that started happening for me a bit more now, having been so committed. Um, you know, I'm starting to feel the friendship of God. And for a man, that is, that is amazing. You know, because so often we're, we're trying to prove ourselves to him by what we can do. And I, I seem to make more head, headway by doing less and just relaxing at the moment. And, you know, that's his generosity. He just wants, he, you know, he wants to know us as a friend. And we want to know him as a friend too. But um, I, I wrote in my journal, you know, uh, <clears throat> maybe last year sometime, and I said, Lord, in the past, my interpretation of words like law and obey and commands have always made me feel like I need correction, um, like I'm in trouble, like I'm failing or not doing well enough or below par or not up to the mark. And, uh, you know, it's not a great mindset to have in order to build trust, is it? But it was mine. And I know that it's something that so many of us struggle with, um, is really getting the context of being children um, right in our heart, having it rooted and grounded um, in our heart. In Ephesians um, 3 verse 14, Paul said, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that um, out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and how um, high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, it's just, there's no limit. how much he wants us to feel at home with him and and unless we get over unless we can move through the um uh, the 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 roadblocks that we have to knowing our position as sons or daughters we just can't grasp the fullness of um of all that he has and um you know i I began to realize it as you see when god god started to speak to me and he said look I want you to know the comfort of my love. As a man, I want you to know that comfort. And when you know the comfort of my love, then I will de- then I will um, empower you to go out in the power of it. You see, unless we can unless we can be at home with him and um, you know uh, know that security, everything else, in a sense, becomes an act. Everything else becomes an act because we're copying someone. We're copying somebody's uh, what they've broken through. We're copying their style, or we're we're copying their personality, or um, you know it's just not real for us. And he so much wants his life to be real to us individually. And so when we start to see things as a son, as not and not a slave, we go. It's a whole different shift. And instead of words like command and rules and laws and stuff, we, I've started to see them rather than a correction, but a protection. Yeah, they're there to protect me. They correct me, but primarily I start to see them there as a, as a protection. And so the crooked paths are starting to straighten up. When I was um, you know I, I've often thought about the things that i 've been through in my life, and look, we've all got a story to tell um, of, of how God has been so powerful in our lives, and uh, but I'd often think to myself, I would um, change I love to change the way things have happened for me because our kids are still you know yet to come back to the Lord and, and stuff, um, and I just I just live for that day. <laughs> I live for the day, boy. I tell you what, I'll be, right, you know, I'll do however many circles around this place without my family start coming back to Jesus. That's that's my number one goal in life is to not give up until I see that happen. Anyone else got family like that? And uh, you know, so often I've thought I'd do anything to change the way things have happened, but not what it's done in me. You know, I, I don't know that I would have ever come to the, to the place of peace with God now if I hadn't have been through some of these things. And, um, you know, just another funny little Irish story that's kind of relevant here. I'd been telling one of my clients about this experience that we had in um, Ireland going around the roundabout. And he said, because they'd just got back from Ireland, and he goes, oh, he said, we were in Dublin, and um, we asked somebody for directions and uh, <laughs> and uh, this, this guy, he says, oh, how do we get down to there? And he says, oh, he says, it'd be a hell of a lot easier if you weren't leaving from here. <laughs> well, would I have asked the question if I wasn't here? <laughs> and my point is, no matter where you're at, No matter where I'm at, God says it's a perfect place to start. What the heck? If you're leaving from here, at least you're leaving. So always think about that. When times are tough, just say, well, it would be a hell of a lot easier if you weren't leaving from here. But you are leaving from here, and you've got God on your side. You know, I just love the book of Malachi and the last verse, which is the last verse of the um, Old Testament, Malachi 4 verse 6. It says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. You know, I look at relationships in real estate. You know, there's a lot of situations where we are selling houses for because of breakups and see all that sort of stuff. You know, I just think, God, there's nothing. This, 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 there's a curse over any relationship that doesn't know Christ. I have absolutely no idea. Have I haven't got an answer for anyone, lest their hearts be changed by God, and they find Him. I look at the Maori people and the issues that they have. I think, man, there's just nothing but the power of God. You can come up with another government law, rules, laws, everything else to change things in our nation. We desperately need to see hearts turn to the children. Look, we've seen pl- plenty of fingers pointed. We've seen plenty of right foot of fellowship to kids. We've seen plenty of elbows and fists and words and and everything. But the Bible says that God has got the final say. That He's going to start to turn the heart. It's no longer going to be you know the finger, but it's no longer going to be you know. The first, it's no longer going to be um, the way it's been, but he's going to start to turn the hearts of fathers to their children first. And you know, I've thought it at times, I said, How could this happen? You know, in order to be a father, you've got to, be a, you've got to know how to be a son or a daughter. And in order to be a son or a daughter, we have to learn to trust. It's just the way it is. God has no other way but for us to learn how to put our lives into His hands and to start to trust Him. And so there is a day coming where fathers, it's, gonna, it, it's the heart of people, it's are going to initiate this turning. And uh, I desire that. I just desire that so much to be a, a part of the transformation of our society, a new New Zealand that is going to be deeply affected by a loving, caring God. He says in um, John 8:34, a slave has no permanent place in the, in the family, but a son, a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. And, uh, you know, you and <clears throat> I am a son. You are a son or a daughter. You're not a sinner. You were, but relationally, you're a son. When you sin, you muck up. You do things. You do things that are, are wrong or need to be adjusted. But you know your position relationally is in the family. And when we get that, when that really becomes written deeply on our heart, um, then there's a freedom that. Um, is going to break forth over our nation and out of this building and out of many other churches to change our nation. Hallelujah. So, you know, I don't know all of you here today. If you've never ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then, you know, it's a journey. You know, as I said, I've been 25 years, probably, I think, 25 years as a Christian, and this is just something that has become really evident to me. 25 years after I started. But wherever you're at today, you know He just wants to be able to take your life and gather you up. Maybe you've never known what it's to, what it's like to trust anyone. You know that's your issue that He can correct, and He wants to show you His love. Is there anybody here to? this morning that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Maybe it could be the start of your journey. If that's you, I'd just encourage you to put up your hand and I'd love to pray with you and just pray with you and just ask God to show you his love and to walk with you. Got somebody there? Okay, that's cool. Thank you very much. Could we all perhaps just maybe stand? That's fantastic. Let's just sing this song, Who is this King of Glory? And, um, you know, I'd just like to pray for you. What's your name? Let's just all extend our hand out to Grace and um, we just want to pray for her and, you know, just that God would just show himself powerfully to you. Thank you, Lord. Have you ever accepted the Lord before, Grace? You have? Okay. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, Jesus. we thank you for your love. Thank you. We thank you that we can trust you because you are our Father who sees all things nothing is a surprise to you you demonstrated to us your love by ripping the veil from top to bottom showing that it was your hand no man's hand that opened the way to Jesus Christ and the precious blood that brings healing salvation deliverance. We thank you. We receive it today, Lord, all all that you have in Jesus' name.